commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Greg Scottback, and you're listening to Core World News, your holiday news show of in-depth coverage of the latest stories from around the galaxy. Welcome to a reading Raftar review of Star Wars Victory's Price by Alexander Freed. And now we have Ben Granite Adam to discuss. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Grex, and uh, greetings to all of you. Uh, Thanks very much for joining us for another week of Core World News. Uh, This week, we are doing a special on Reed's third and final novel in the Alphabet Squadron trilogy titled Victory's Price. Uh, So get some. Uh, we're hoping that uh, this review will kind of serve to do two of po- three possible outcomes here, right? So one, um, you're not interested in reading the books or reading this book in particular. You've got other things to do. That's cool. Uh, but you want to know what happened. So in this case, we're here for you. We will go through the whole book and you can find out pretty much everything that went on in the book uh, through us and how it ties into all the other things. Um, two second scenario is, um, you read the book already and you just want some other people to think about this book with. Um, so yeah, we're here for you for that. Um, you know, send us, we've got a discord server. Um, I think I'm saying that right. I I don't know. Um, you can contact us on discord and talk to us about the book or anything else. We're talking regularly with casual Jason and others probably. And, um, yeah, so get on there and talk to us about that and, uh, enjoy this pod. Um, or if you want to read the book and you haven't yet, we suggest maybe shelving this pod for until you have read the book and then um, and then listen to it after that. And uh, we'll be here whenever you're ready for the book. So um, that said, let's get right into it. Uh, Grant and Adam, uh, what were your like overarching takeaways of this uh, final edition from um, Freed? I mean, I was blown away by this yeah. book. I thought it was always well written i mean alexander free just crushes it with the description of the the starfighter bat battles it's just you know we're getting these really just visual scenes of, of flying through space fighting things like that but um it was it, it did a nice job of tying the book together with the established history and um and the battle of jakku and getting us to the battle of jakku and also exploring these pilots and 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 making their arcs just feel like like completing their arcs in a really satisfying way. Um, I loved what that what happened with Eureka Quill. I Will Lark was just a roller coaster ride up and Jeez. down through this yeah. book. Yeah. <laughs> um, Karos was beautiful and and haunting and magical. Uh, her arc was was really really powerful. Um, Chasta Ch- Nachatic is was is such a fun character, and it, it's so yeah. cool to see her go from martyr to um to zealot or cultist as she's described by a few people in this book and and kind of just moving back and forth between this this kind of religious ideology and then and then you know obviously she's kind of a independent spirit in her own right as well and she's just a really cool character altogether nath tencent um fascinating kind of end resolve for that character and he does some of the coolest stuff in this book in these books these three books um and it's just really cool um resolutions for these characters yeah yeah, I similarly blown away. Um, you know, it's it's in the acknowledgments at the end, 
Freed um, specifically calls out um, Michael Stackpole and Aaron Alston, who are kind of the yeah. main minds behind the X-Wing series, which, as we know, were my favorite old EU storylines. And it is, in some ways, a spiritual brother or sibling to those books in in the action sequences. But it goes so much further. Like, I I feel like I've been in kind of a funk this week. And I think I've been in kind of a funk this week because I've been reading this book. <laughs> and I mean that in the best possible way I can. Because he puts these characters through hell. Yeah. In a way that I don't think I've yeah. seen in a Star Wars book before. Or maybe even a Star Wars movie. And like... And real, like it feels real. Like I just, I was, I just like connected to all these characters and no one escapes it. Like, war, like it should just be called war is hell, right? Like it feels yeah. like the truest idea of like, you can't leave a rebellion unscathed. Right. And I think it does such a good job of walking that fine line of comparing what it's like to be on both sides of a battle but not just then writing it off like there are quote unquote good people on both sides stuff, right? Like right. It, it does clearly make moral or clear moral lines, but it doesn't mean just because you're on the right side of it, you escape scathed, right? And and I just yeah. I think it did such a good job of that. It's it's such a great I, I was blown away by how I don't know how to say this, but how adults this book was with its yeah. themes and its characters' developments, and it's it's really amazing. Yeah, I thought it had a lot of resonance to current times and specifically American politics. And maybe that's just because I'm here and hearing that. Um, but yeah, super heavy. We know that like in the Star Wars timeline, it runs concurrent to Chuck Wendig's Aftermath series. So both are going yeah. on essentially simultaneously, which is kind of an interesting thing to go back and forth with. They refer to each other's characters. Um, Sloan drops off the map in the middle of it. And we know yeah. like she's, you know, on this like secret mission on Jakku and the battle of Jakku, we get there too, which is great. Um, but we just get a small portion of the battle. It's like, I was hoping they would spill the beans on that full battle. And like, maybe we'd see yeah. Skywalker. And I was like, waiting for that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, we didn't yeah. get that, but we did get some interesting stuff. We didn't even get really the crossover with the aftermath stuff, which a lot of it was on the ground, um, for the end of that series in Jakku. Yeah. But, uh, Really great. But yeah, the, the tone I got was like this sort of I'm just going to go there for a second. Um, but like post Donald Trump America, you've got these people that were sort of swept up in like his cult of personality and they did a lot of terrible things in that regime. And now here we are sort of edging back to center and trying to sort of correct those wrongs and tell people that they were wrong without blaming them. <laughs> You know, or yeah. like trying to be like, yeah. no, this is the right way without like actually like doing it. And how do people on the wrong side of history move past um, what they've supported and what they've done? And uh, it's a really complicated problem. And, you know, as all great sci-fi does, it does it in a sort of in a vacuum um, and plays with the idea and the concept um, in a way that we haven't seen in the Star Wars galaxy or in our universe or in any contemporary literature or commentary so far. No one's talked about this. Right. So, yeah. and, um, and I don't know. I just kept hearing that over and over in the book. Yeah. Fascinating. yeah. And, and as dark as these themes get, I mean, we're talking about themes of cycles of violence and Avengers are, are destroyed by vengeance and, yeah. and how you can't escape war and, and war is hell, like you said, Adam. But I think at the end, Alexander Freed does, does free us from those shackles yes. of warfare. And, 
and just in devastation. He does he does provide an escape route in this book, and there's a lot of alleviation. And I think so. As dark as it gets, I think there's a lot of hope in this book too. That I don't think you get in the other books. I know you know the middle book felt extraordinarily dark with uh, yeah. with grandmother and the messenger droid and all this kind of stuff. It just felt like we're in the yeah, midst of yeah. Erica Quell's this art book, on Cerberon. Yeah, dark. Yeah, this book dark has a nice, stuff. I think, resolution that's it's quite hopeful, and uh, it, I, that yeah. was that was that was really nice to get get there. Yeah, and I think I mean I, you're absolutely right. I think I think the last chapter of this book is needed because. But it doesn't let any people, anyone off the hook, right? Like it, 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 visit, yeah. it revisits these characters, uh, and it will, we'll hit the specifics a little later in the podcast. But it revisits the characters after it. I mean, and it's. I think the last section is literally this. The title of the last section is "Victory's Price," the name of the book. Right. And so we get that. So they're all scarred, but strong still, right? Like no one. It didn't break any of these characters that we saw, right? But they are all fundamentally different than the characters we met three books before because of this and some in good ways and some in, 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 in not so good ways. But I, I really did enjoy that. Great. You're right. Because you read it and there's hope attached to this. Right. And I think that is, you know, maybe when we go back to, to do some more of our pillars of star Wars, maybe hope is a pillar that we just kind of overlooked. Right. I know that's kind of vague, but yeah. all star Wars have hope. Like even the darkest movie, right. Probably uh, episode three ends with hope. Right. Yeah, hope is the anthem that all protagonists sing in um, and even some antagonists sing in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, and as dark as this book gets, I'm just thinking to that scene, I think, when, when Blink and Will are fighting and she's like, you will say the names of all the Imperials you've killed. And like the Empire will never stop fighting. And it just gets to a place of just you understand why there's trauma being exchanged over and over yeah. and over again, because both yeah. sides is just unwilling to yield. And it's, and speaking of the unyielding, <laughs> there's uh, some of the best descriptions in the book are, I think are, are the destruction of certain star destroyers and, and obviously the, the starfighter battles and things like that. And, and just the, the high octane warfare is, is phenomenally written in this book. In yeah. These books. Yeah. Actually this, it looked like Freed had a, um, and I'm sorry, I don't have his name right here, but, he had a, a military consultant, you know, to like how to like that he talked to about military strategy and and how to like set up the air battles and stuff. And and you feel it. It's highly technical. There's all these maneuvers that they're doing um, and counter maneuvers. It's it's deep. It's deep. If you are a squadrons player, you want to read this book for sure, um, because it'll give you some techniques to uh, to pwn noobs on the um, on the Internet. Um whatever your, your console or PC is uh, preferred to play the squadrons game. But, uh, and that actually, and that is squadrons. Harrison Dula plays a major role in this book and yeah. loved all of her scenes, loved all of her dialogue in this book. Uh, Jason Sindula is referred to mentioned a few times. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, she's talked about her faraway son or something like that. And I was like, yeah, oh, okay. And that was really interesting. Uh, and then th that was cool. Uh, Kraken chief intelligence officer. Kraken. Yeah. That's a yeah. character. Yeah. Uh, droids are super interesting. There's a yeah. Droid city we go to at some point, which is great. Um, <laughs> yep. Who, who have enslaved, I think, the, the organics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we may have skipped to my favorite part of the book, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's what I've always um, wanted. What, do you want to start with the uh, characters here and start maybe yeah. doing a little character studies for our like primary cadre here? 
Um, we have to choose from, let's choose from uh, Erica Quell. We'll do the original Alphabet Squadron. So yeah. Erica Quell, Chastna Chaddock, Will Lark, uh, Nath Tenzin, and Kairos. Um, right. and, and so these and are our main... Set up, set up, set it up for our audience. We know at the end of the last book, uh, Erica Quell went back to Shadow Wing. Yes. The, uh, the elite star, um, starfighter wing for the, the, the now remnant empire, the shattered empire. And yeah. um, uh, that, that kind of left us all kind of a gasp, I think at the end of the last book and then to pick it up here and she's kind of, and then she explains throughout this book that she, you know, infiltrated to neutralize it from within. And that's, it's right. she's kind of cover in this book and uh, pinging, pinging the, the rebellion and, and new Republican and kind of, causing the or allowing uh alphabet squadron to track shadowing shadowing yeah movement. Do, you, do you want to start with erica because i think that's a great intro yeah. to her i mean yeah so it's like i think when we were left with a kind of a cliffhanger there and i suspected she was trying to infiltrate it but like she was left with no choice really like her secret was out that she was essentially like a nazi that worked at a concentration camp like the equivalent for for star wars right she was involved yeah. in planet genocide right. and like granted that led to her absconding from from the empire but still she was essentially complicit and so that that secret was revealed in the last book and i mean and so further she, than complicit right and like she carried out operation yeah. cinder on necrosis yeah. like that's like she murdered like, I, mean, I mean that'd be like yeah that's like yeah. someone running a concentration camp and then running away at the end right knowing right. when when the when the resistance was coming but yeah right so yeah. so her, that secret got out right at the end of the last book she was stranded on cerberon i mean one of my favorite like series in novels is actually her at the sith temple coming mm -hmm. to terms with all of her needing to go deeper into the dark in order to like save herself from that like the black hole like that's it was an amazing scene but it yeah. sort of corrupted her changed her broke her a little bit and then um, but she realized like, well, what I you know, I can't go back to my friends because they won't forgive me, but I can go and do these things and help their cause by infiltrating the, the 204th. And it wasn't explicitly said at the last book, but it is confirmed in this one. Yeah, it is. And and what I love about that story is we get it throughout the novel, but she's not doing it to earn a place back in the New Republic. Like she does this because no. like, it is one of us. It's, it's pretty selfless. In, in in a way because she just knows she's so tainted that there's no way she can have a happy ending right like she goes into this just accepting her fate but knowing this is something she has to do and and so you just get that throughout the book of her just saying like this is what i do i have to do this it's i'm just doing whatever i can to save the most lives but i know well, they're never gonna well, she's dead set on ending operation cinder in this book. yeah like right, she yeah. has seen the horror that is operation cinder and just the the, the plan yeah. to just bring pain and yeah. anger and frustration to the galaxy and to leave it in ruin. I mean, the, the cinder is, it's a devastating order prepared by Palpatine and, uh, and she's doing all she can to end it and stop it. And I think all of, I think many of the Imperials are kind of, uh, just catching on to the, just how horrific this uh, cinder is in a lot of ways it's weighing on everyone. And it's, yeah, it's they really, you really see them unnerved by it, you know? Yeah. They allude to it, like how much it affects everyone in the squad. And that's why it's so real, because like in the 204th, it's like they're together. They have great leadership. They're focused. But they're like they're all carrying this weight at some level and they're yeah. trying to rationalize it. And, um, you know, Captain Kesey or Major Captain Kesey is um, 
helping them through it and helping them rationalize it, even though he knows it's wrong, you know, but yeah, she's, she's through her eyes. We see this real fallibility in other people. And also in her, like she feels for the, the, her wingmates, even though she's undercover, like she likes the people in 204. These are her friends. These are her people. And, and she feels for them. She's like, Oh, I was you, I was brainwashed. You know, I went through all this stuff. She does bear her soul to ito later in the book and it's an incredible scene and you know yeah. that she lo- she actually does care for all the uh mm-hmm. imperial pilots around even though yeah. she was there to infiltrate and she how does can you care. not yeah anyone listening anyone here would too in the same position like if you're in that place it just doesn't you know doesn't matter how bad those people are it's like if you've gone through the trials with them you know it, it makes it brings you together and uh it's hard to not empathize with them yeah well, and it does such a good job, right, of of the grunts being the grunts, whether the grunts of the empire, the shattered empire, or the rebellion, or the new republic, right? They're they're these are the people who believe in it, but they're not making these decisions, right? They they're just they their life set them down a path because Yurka Quell's story begins with her joining her her story is Luke's story and Wedge's story, right? Except she didn't get out. Like like Luke, well, Luke yeah. never went in, or yeah. Han, right? She didn't get out. She was one of the people who joined to to get the the knowledge of how to fly to then, then be join the rebellion, and she didn't yeah. get out. Yeah, yeah, so and she, yeah, and she blames herself for that too. Mm-hmm. She's just like, oh, I wasn't strong enough to lead, you know. But Wedge and Tilly's was, and um, who's the other one? Uh, not Dak. Who is um, Biggs? Biggs Darklighter did. Yeah, who's Biggs. Yep. Did. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and 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 Luke probably would have if you, you know, Uncle Owen let him. But uh, yeah, but that that was a path Biggs led as well. But yeah, it was, that's what was so fascinating about this character. She just she's like, yeah, I didn't make it. <laughs> it was like I just yeah. started doing kept got into the routine and just did it, yeah. which is that's a character flaw, but not unimaginable. I, yeah, it's it's completely understandable. It's it's like I mean, <laughs> I. I don't want to get all like social sciencey and and whatever, but it's it's you know we've done experiments on this that everyone thinks they're going to be the person that doesn't follow orders, but you know someone yeah. in a lab coat tells you to do something. You do seventy five percent of people to ninety five percent of people are likely to say okay and do it right, and so yeah, it's the exceptional person who walks away from that. I know the exact test you're referring to too, the like blind where it's like. They're like, you're going to be shocking someone, right? And it's like, yeah. but you need to keep shocking them. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. Seventy percent shocked people to like death, essentially, even though it was fake. But they yeah. didn't know that. And yeah. but like, who were the 30 percent that didn't? Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting stuff. I, I <laughs> it's I'm always having that trouble as a as a as a professor to be like, yeah, I'm going to walk away or I'm going to do a two hour lecture. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yes. Yeah. It's super interesting. And as far as Eureka's arc goes in this book, I mean, there's obviously the rivalry, the kind of interesting mentorship with Soren Keys that becomes a rivalry that becomes a really interesting uh, uh, duel in the sky. And then, um, but before that, we have the, she has the messenger droid becomes a big part of her story. Yeah. In, Let's talk in about that. Book. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was fascinating. Like I was really blown away with the territory and the bandwidth of this book. This book kind of opened up and went into and uh, especially just cracking that thing thing open and learning what's inside and then learning the technology behind yeah. it and learning that it, it's almost this ancient form of technology where it's, it's 
more emotion based and you're sending like negative vibes through it. And it was that that was really interesting. And it yeah. just made me think that Palpatine, there is a mystical aspect maybe to those to those droids. Yeah, well, real not... quick. I just want to catch people up and then you can yeah. go just like so second act of this book. There's this random part that I never thought would happen in this mm -hmm. book. Uh, Keys sends um, Erica on a mission. She had accidentally shot the uh, messenger droid from the the like dark red wraith that uh, that is the Emperor's me messenger that's triggered post his death. Right. So there's a bunch of these that fly around there in various parts of canon. We'll get into that. But there's one is a major part of this. And it's been in the other two books. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, it's been kind of in a pile, like not doing much um, for the first two books. But er Erica shoots it in this book and so as part of like keys's mission he sends um quell and a, a, a like strike team of like four other um people you know uh fighters for the empire uh to this like droid planet um that's run by droids they have enslaved they enslave humans uh, which is awesome Yep. And and to do a, an autopsy, like a droid autopsy on this messenger droid to get the information out of it and to just see what the heck it is. And like, oh, my gosh, like as like that's a total nerdgasm for me. I never thought we would get that. And I never knew I wanted it. But yes, here. Yeah. And great banter with the surgeon in that scene. <laughs> He's like, yeah. why would you think I would want this data? Like I can just mind wipe myself. You know, I can. Er, er, yeah erase my hard drives in a minute and forget about this it's i have no need but, for this data. yeah but it's priceless and, and, uh, data to us as like the readers and right yeah. yeah we're like whoa what is that what is that chip yeah. that she, she just got but um, i love like when you're because you're because afraid to even like look at the faceplate of that thing even though it's completely yeah. dismantled and i was like that's believable like that's yeah thing thing like because those like, things are almost scarier than the emperor emperor to it yeah degree. because were, like it just frightened. seems like it seems like the magic mirror thing, right? Like it just seems like you you, yeah, you just feel yeah, like yeah, staring totally. at it, like randomly the emperor's face would appear and start talking to you. Terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, out of the darkness. I always like, wanted hey. that to happen in the next scene. Yeah. You know, I was yeah. like, oh please let it just appear randomly. Oh my god. I don't want to undersell the importance of this because it for those of you listeners who have been like reading all the books, this is a mystery that's been here since the the since the creation of the new canon, right? Like we first met these messenger droids in the aftermath series. Am I correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which are the first books really? I mean, I mean, we had, we had Tarkin first, but it's kind of the first series of books, you know, 2015. Dawn, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's been a few, but like that was the first Lords one of the, the first, one of the first books. So it was like six years that we've been waiting to get an answer to this. Right. And, and then personally for then to have it happen on literally the thing that I wanted to write and do in Star Wars more than anything, which is to make a droid planet. <laughs> yeah. I've always wanted to do a droid planet and I get it. It's kind of like I'm reading this. I'm like, yeah, I'm officially in a coma. 16 year old Adam's in a coma somewhere and never woke yeah. up like his, his life is now completely like it's just weird that these things keep happening. But it, it was so interesting to get that. And then so I want. I want you to help me clarify something, which I think is, I think I've got there, but I have all the quotes in front of me right now in case. So no, she no. mentioned that she saw coordinates that were there. Were those coordinates just Coruscant? Because remember, she, when she looked at it, she had, she saw something, she memorized specific coordinates. I, I think it was, uh, I think it was Jakku. Was it Jakku? Okay. Because that was really the culmination of Operation Cinder. 
And right. that was sort of, they were alluding to it through the book that there was a gathering there. And this is obviously, this is the end of Aftermath as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It probably was like, hey, we're talking about Exegol, but like it never really went anywhere yeah. specific. Like it was never directly. So I, yeah, that makes it's sense. big enough that they could retcon it to be Exegol later if they wanted to. Yeah. But it makes sense that it's Jakku. Okay. Is I think that was there. Yeah. yeah. How about that? So, so this machine, like, we got to go there because this is like yeah, yeah. the most fascinating part of this book to me. So the the surgeon says uh, it's a computer, it's a machine. But imagine if the core directive of a machine wasn't to resolve tasks and logic, but to do, to express a particular emotion. Yeah. As if it were a painting or another piece of fine art. Imagine a culture that never developed higher mathematics, but could symbolically render feeling. And motivation. Imagine this culture built computers using that science instead of ours. So it's like it's an art machine that chases emotion instead of numbers. It's, but like yeah, I think we know it means it's like chasing dark hate. Side to me. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like a Sith robot. Exactly, yeah. it's a Sith robot. It's like just designed to feed off hate and suffering. And then we, you know, we go through like, hey, all right, you, a little more. It's like it, it, it looks at. Um, it's all there and then blah, 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 the head of many secrets if you can keep them. Okay. Uh, resourcefulness, conscience, recognize variables accounting for past kills during and outside of military service, disciplinary action. This is the, the database, like all the data points are correct, collected on everyone. Uh, family trauma, education, genetic predispositions, species predispositions, personal associations, history of obedience to unlawful commands, involvement, including non-participatory exposure, in physical interrogation and something called MDC count. <laughs> I wonder what that could be. Wow. We are like yeah. fully just re welcoming midichlorians back into the canon, huh? Yeah. Come on back. <laughs> Come on back. Give me a big it's hug, midichlorians. We always love uh, them. Lord. Um, That's fascinating. It is. So here's the thing. Like, Ben, you mentioned earlier how bringing into like current political realm and 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 trump and and i and i think you're spot on with that about how you know as always good fiction and science fiction in particular connects to today right so the the empires or the emperor's plot there's two things going on in this book that are really interesting and one of the messenger droids which are collecting all this data about like who would be the most who would be the the best hate filled people to run the empire in a weird way, right? right. Like who's the most like these are who corrupt. they chase. Like the they're like yeah. essentially autonomous, and they they go out and they each yeah. chase these high value targets based on like how fuck how like hate filled. Yeah. And then at the same time, Coruscant has a database underneath it. We'll talk about this when we get to the plot thing, but it has this that collects basically everything that anyone who was ever part of the empire has ever done and has ever been tainted by being part of the empire. Yeah. Hello, this is today. Like literally everything we're doing online, anywhere right. is being, and this is not conspiracy, it's being tracked, right? Like, so that could possibly be used against us, you know, not to the point. Yeah, none it's of a us blackmail are machine. It's like a blackmail right? database. And that's what social media is, right? It's a blackmail yeah. database. So it's just fascinating, right? Like I read that going like, oh man, this is such interesting commentary on this. And they, and they dealt with it in such a thoughtful way in this book that we'll get to at the end where there's so many, like there's so many ethical quandaries that piled on at the end of this book of like, yeah. do you destroy this database? Do you keep it? 
what do you do with your quell? Like I, I just was so there for these things because there's no a good ethical dilemma has no clear and easy solution. Answer. Yeah, right. And that's where they they essentially get to this great Mon Mothma that like the scene at the very end with Mon Mothma and and Hera is brief and beautiful and speaks yeah. to that. and it's and it's it's very philosophical. It's like when's the last time you came away from a Star Wars novel? Then like that was a very philosophical Star Wars novel. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's I mean, not I, to say there isn't that in there, but this one that was the center like beat of this novel. I teach ethics. Uh, one of the classes I teach is ethics in the criminal justice system. And I kind of am going to steal from this book. I don't think I could actually. I, it's hard, right? Like I always want to like show them episodes of Star Trek and stuff, but I know they'll just like giggle and not actually like get it. Um, but I will steal this as an ethical dilemma and like de Star Wars ify it. <laughs> Yeah. And actually use it, I think, in classes as an ethical cool. dilemma. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, should we shuffle over to another character? Anyone want to yeah. throw one out there? Will Lark. Okay, here Do we it. go. Will Lark. I, Speaking I have of ethical notes. dilemmas. <laughs> I have, like, emotional notes about Will yeah. Lark's arc. Yeah. Uh, so here we here's our protagonist, uh, maybe main protagonist we'd see of the alphabet squadron. He's still there. He's now been thrust into leadership role in yeah. this book. He's referred and to as the wing commander. Of the wing commander. Squadron. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that he's was the best. not wasted on me. I, yeah. Sure no, yeah. Same here. <laughs> he's the best flyer of the team. Like, you know, in his, is a wing. He is faster and more agile than everyone. He's a natural flyer um, growing up on Polyneus. Uh, with Sorakas, he's like he's guy knows how to fly. Yeah, um, he's the last of the 150. Paul 120. Yes. 100, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> last of the 120. Um, so that's his thing. He wants us to go home. Like, yeah, guy's not a killer. Um, that comes out and is illustrated quite uh, brilliantly in this book. Um, yeah. What What do y'all think about Will Ark? Uh, I mean, pretty brave to to yeah. challenge Soren Keys uh, in the middle of this book. One on one, yeah. Awesome. Yep. I was like, and that really, I was really just revving my fist at that point. I was super excited for that confrontation, and uh, and paid off beautifully. Like just gorgeous descriptions and uh, what I thought it would happen happened though. I mean, you, you yeah. can't just go up against the ace of aces and no. beat, beat him. Yeah, <laughs> get out alive. I feel like you start that knowing the end, right? Knowing that, but, yeah. but he's doing it again. <laughs> yeah. Because he knows he's not going to win, or he, his goal is just to he, just but, to but last. He did give Soren a good run for his money, though. He did. Soren comes back just like covered in sweat, like yeah, yeah, tense. Yeah. yeah, I just I you know th that was such an important part of his character development for number number a number of reasons, but I think the most important is towards the end of this book, he just realizes or or comes says he becomes a pacifist, right? In in an interesting, I mean not. I don't think becomes because I feel like he actually is a pacifist. Oh, totally. In yeah. These books. But he just realizes like he can't be a pacifist and also a fighter pilot, which is a kind of a you know nonsense. But he tries to figure out how to do that while still supporting the rebellion or the new republic at this time. And so I think it's really important to have that dogfight to show that he's not a coward, right? He's not stepping away from battle mm -hmm. because he's afraid of being in battle. He's stepping away because he feels like it's, 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 it's leading to something that's not good. And so I just, I love his character arc. I think they do such a good job of it. And again, it's another ethical dilemma, right? Because you understand why he made his decision. You also understand why the people around him feel betrayed by him. 
right? Like I, I think yeah. they did such a good job of that. Like everyone, like when he goes in and gives us a passion speech, I did too. I did too, but I also supported his decision. It was this weird moment of like, I get it, I understand why they're doing this, but like, man, you're also letting people die. But like, it, it was such a good, it was such a great moral quandary, and I really, really loved it. And I and I think they did such a good job with him. And then, um. You know, the 120 parts really, really interesting that he's like the last person in his tribe who left to fight the Empire who has not come back. Right. And that that really like struck a chord with him where he's like, I got to go home. Like I yeah. like that, that like gave him license to be like, I've done enough. Thank you. Yeah. Like I, I'm done. You know, like we're not fighters, but we decided to do our part. We've done our part. I've done my part. Yeah. And that's the thing for, for people that haven't read this book. Um. There's a dogfight scene. Uh, Will Lark uh, taunts uh, Soren Keys out to do one-on-one -on -one battle, um, just like they would in you know feudal times. Your best fighter versus our best fighter for all the marbles, sort of thing. Doesn't end up shaking out like that. There's still you know battles going on on the fringes. Um, Will Lark loses the battle, but gives him a run, and he survives. Um, and then when it comes time for the Battle of Jakku, when the real all the marbles are on the table. Will Lark declines to fight. He yeah. he bows out and says, "I can't do this." I mean, in in well, Pepper throughout this sort of the defiance, though, like it's the, yeah, like, he was there like, for assist. He was there on the the battleship. He didn't go home. He didn't chicken out, but he's like, "I'm going to help people as I can on this on the um on the star destroyer that yeah. is <laughs> the, the home base." I know this, this is totally yeah, ripped from the Duel of Fates Trevoro script, right? Like yeah. the whole yeah. time. Harrison Duel is commanding from a Star Destroyer that they yeah. that they captured, which is amazing. I've wanted this forever. Um, but yeah, so he's there helping out. Um, but yeah, and all the time he's always trying to reach across lines. One of the so there's some really cool plot devices that uh, Andrew Freed uses in this book. Um, one of the major places Alexander Freed. Sorry, what I don't know what I said, but Alexander Freed. Um, and is it Andrew? Sorry. Um, so there's there's this planet surrounded in satellites that essentially give off radioactive power in tides. So the yeah. tides go towards the planet, the tides go out and they're they're protective. And essentially, it's so much static that if you want to transmit radio transmission, you need to broadcast at a freeze frequency so loud that both sides can hear it. So it's like constantly like, all right, you can say whatever you want, but the other side needs to hear it, which is a fascinating thing. The tides is an interesting device too. Um, and how it shorted things out. It was a constant danger. It's, it's never been done. It was very clever and very new, but this is yeah, one of the cornerstones, yeah. right? Particle tides. Um, one yeah, of the cornerstones yeah. of Will Lark's thing is that he was, he's always trying to talk to the other side, just get them talking. Let's like talk about how, how similar we are, you know, very, yeah admirable um and that's who that that was essentially will lark for this book yeah um but it, so he's a complicated character but when he backed down i was like no like i i they even had an a-wing for him to get back in and i thought for sure he was going to come zipping through the battle and save the day at the last minute nope nope and um, i'm okay with it because that was true to that character but it was yeah. It was heart wrenching. Like I, Ben, I was right there with you. I was right there with you. Where I'm like, oh, this is, I don't know. But I again, Freed did such a good job of of. I felt like I understood the character's motivations, and it wasn't one of cowardice, right? It was, right. and so, but yeah, it's yeah. tough. It made yeah. it very. I mean, he's also just like injured at the end of this book. I mean, he's been through 
again, putting the characters through hell. Like this book is, yeah. I mean, the, when he ejected fighting Soren Keys, I mean, that he, that was he's left pretty injured then. And then, <laughs> yeah, and, and I took it yeah. that he was kind of just walking around the 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 defiance, just groggy and kind of not not wanting to jump back into a fight. And then he gets yeah. blown up even worse. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, then he gets <laughs> his like face blown up. Yeah. Space. <laughs> yeah. What have you learned? Uh, speaking of getting blown up, why don't we talk about Chasna Chattuck yet? Uh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Another fantastic character. I really miss her tape collection. I, I miss know. her blasting music. I really hoped that was going to carry on through all three of these books. Um, but again, they she lost all her music at the end of the last book. Um, but she went through her gauntlet um, with a cult. And so now she's like, she's looking for life past um past war like after war yeah, which yeah. is a, a common theme here what'd y'all think about chas in this one um i loved the what is it the children of the empty sun <laughs> or whatever yeah. she's into dialectics or dianetics or dianetics whatever. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this book. Uh, she knows it's fun. a charlatan's game but she's just like i'm in like i don't care it uh, makes me feel good i need it yeah i love the uh the part of the book where they're on karos's planet and it's Chas, Karos, and uh, Eureka. I thought that was a really cool part. I thought, yeah, um, I thought Chas just shined in a bunch of moments in this book, and um, and I love that. At one point, I think she says, "You know, like our our cult leader says that like we're wasting our time in war, like, and that we really like it, this. We're, it's really just the force that guides the galaxy, and like, <laughs> like she basically just talks about you know how we should all just be pacifists and and leave this war because there's yeah. no point, and." Right. Uh, yeah, she's actually was, not that, wrong. That was a no, no. yeah, she's not wrong at all. And it's like everyone's kind of making fun of her listening to these tapes and like I was at these uh, audio logs and it just was like, you know, she has the right frame of mind and she has the frame of mind that's the enlightened frame of mind that that Luke has and that people come to understand has. after yeah. having served or fought for so long. So it was cool to just have that that tease or that nod to kind of Luke's disposition, you know, in the Last Jedi and things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, great character. Again, super complex. You know, it's like there's not if you're looking for a character in this book to be like, yes, I am all in. Go read another book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like this is these are people who have and they in different times yeah. in this series have been all in, but they are they've been through the ringer and it's changed them. And I really appreciate her. And great, you mentioned it. Like she knows it's a scam, right? The the children of empty son is a scam, but it resonates with her, and so she yeah. so she has like she actually has like conversations or hears her ex cult leader speaking to her when she then also realizes it's not really her. Like it's just it's so it's amazing this idea of like I can only imagine if someone and I have no knowledge of this. I don't I don't know if this is true or not. But someone who's who's gone through being in a cult and then going through deprogramming. You can't leave that behind, I would assume, right? So you still feel that connection to that message because it's simpler, right? Like she just she basically wants this because someone's just telling her what to do, telling her what life is, not having these complex questions. So she just keeps resonating back to that, even though she knows in her logical mind it's a scam. And I just think that the the plot of like the logic fighting with the heart in this in that character is so interesting. Yeah, she's fascinating. I mean, she's she grew up in a cult. So her mom was a cultist. Yeah. She grew up in a cult and like that caused her to rebel initially. 
right? So she went to the, you know, the Republic and, and fought and was suicidal her whole life. And then it was so crazy, like, in when push came to shove, she sort of got captured. She went straight to a cult and was like, this is what I know and this is what I'm familiar with, despite knowing how, you know, all the corruption that surrounds cults. Yeah. And she happened to join a good one, actually, as it were. But yeah, um, she bad. still held on to it to sort of, like, keep herself going. Um, there was a fantastic scene where there was like people were talking on the comms and there was like a pulse to like the um, the particle field. And it sounded it reminded her of a pop song, like a fringy pop song, because all of her songs. Were, and so she started singing the lyrics <laughs> over yeah. like the found noise. And then everyone but even Shadowwing knew it, too. And everyone started singing the song at the same time. And like, so that brought to get back, like, that's her soul is like, she just loves music. And this like, that's, that's her real solve in life. And, uh, I thought, I mean, as a music lover, um, that, that really resonated me with me and, and I loved it. Um, but yeah, she's punk rock, like she is straight up punk rock. And, um, there is one quote here. It, like, so her major dilemma is just like, what do I do after? Like, she always wanted to be Jen Erso, right? She wanted to be Maya Halleck. She wanted to give her life for something greater just to feel like she's done some good in her life. Um, but she's, she's realized she wants to live, which is great. Um, everyone who feels suicidal should want to live. There's people to talk to. You should do that. Um, she, it, and, uh, but she was like, sort of, you know, she doesn't want to, she kind of can see the future and see like how her future is going to, it, it doesn't look bright for her, but she, she, there's one way she described it here. And she goes, yeah, she repeated, Maybe I can get a pilot job working for some rich guy who wants an exotic species to show up. Sure. Fits your yeah. temperament or a veterans bar somewhere like Troyth place. We saw plenty of action, messy enough to be cheap animal wrangler beast master. I've got tough skin. Join a crooked circus, learn plasma eating, rob people after shows, lots of options. Like she's talking about all the different things you can do. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I want to see that show. That's a show I want to see. Honestly, yeah. I want to like a, you know, Chaz Nechatic, just like down in her luck, just like drifting through the dark seedious places that aren't like your formulaic. Oh, I'm a scoundrel. I'm a pirate. Like, it's like, no, I'm a carny in a, in a creature circus <laughs> on like Dantooine, like a, you know, and, and sort of just like uh hyperspace skipping through um this crazy life. I, I loved that section. I thought it took a I lot of like magic. Alexander Freed just raise the bar through the roof when it comes yeah. to designing a squadron that feels diverse and uh, there's there's so so many interesting cultures at play that you're and you're learning about Karos and and Chas and these characters that it makes me a little worried about Rogue Squadron if it's like a little stale in comparison like it, when that film comes out I hope that squadron is as interesting as yeah. this squad because I'm I'm always surprised by what he does with Chas and what he does with Karos and, and things like that that it's like I'm really hoping that when we do get Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron movie, that she does give us a few yeah. alien species in the squadron, that and yeah. we really get to learn about them and their their culture and their interests and yeah. their yeah. personalities. Pablo, and, we know and, you're listening right now. Make sure you make sure, like Patty Jenkins yeah. reads these books a couple times. Like this yeah. is this is what we're here for. Like this is what I want them to read. This, I mean, also read the X-wing books that I loved, but this is what you should be using. Yeah. as inspiration because what's interesting is so the first book we get the formation of alphabet squadron and the second book like basically it follows it follows your 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 general 
trilogy formation, especially the original trilogy, right? You get the gang gets formed in the first one. They get broken apart and they go on separate missions in the second one. Now imagine if Return of the Jedi, you don't actually get them all together and they don't all particularly like each other and that the gang is broken apart. And that's what this book is, right? Like you never actually get Alphabet Squadron back together in this book at all. You get separate missions, you get the complex, but but it's truer, right? It's truer to what's happening in these damaged characters. There's still a lot of joy in this book, and there's still a lot of fun in this book, and there's still a lot of like people who do respect and enjoy each other, but there's complexities there, and I love that. Like, yeah. And we'll get to Nath in a second, but the relationship yeah. between Will and Nath is really interesting throughout this book because they love each other, but the man, that love is constant throughout the entire book. But there's also segments where they hate each other, even though they love each other. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into Nath. I mean, yeah, Nath, what about his yeah, arc? Nath. Holy cow. Yeah. Like, so cool. So cool. Um, Hero of the Republic. Things, like, why, why don't they use Y-Wings in the sequel trilogy? Like, seem pretty effective in this, this book. Yeah, well, I mean, you mean the bombers? You mean the bombers that they used yeah. didn't, didn't have a really major design <laughs> The flop? bombs with the exposed bombing racks, like, underneath, yeah. do, don't seem as good as the Y-Wings. That's just, I don't know, it's just a simple observation from the outside. I, I feel like Nath Tencent should have been their guy in the sequel trilogy as he gets things done. Um, yeah, and he I was love huge the in the last book, and he was he's huge in this book, too. Yeah. I was just going to say, I love the design of like where it's strategy. It's like the bombers are your major force and the other fighters scramble to protect them. And they're like, right. that's a common theme through this book. And it makes a lot of sense. It's like if you want to do real damage to a big ship, you do that. I mean, I guess we did see that in uh, Last Jedi uh, in the beginning, but they just use kind of clunky bombers. Yeah. Um, this character is cool. I love the banter uh, between him and Will, obviously, and Hera. Hera and Nath have some great scenes together. Uh, not scenes, but just moments in this book. Um, he's kind of like, I, I feel like he's he's almost like high ranking in this book. Like a lot of people respect Nath and like what his plans are. And yeah, he seems to know best a lot of the time, which is fascinating. Like it's, he's like a, he's res- almost a smuggler type. He's it's very cool. Han Solo. Yeah. He's like he's Han Solo, but he gets a respect he he's earned. But he also sort of he knows how to milk like honor. Does that make sense? Yeah. He knows how to sort of like come away from a situation looking like the hero every time, though. I mean, he sort of lucked into being the hero in the first couple of books. Um, and but he's he is not afraid to ride his fame. He's yeah. very gregarious. He's like he he knows the the value of um, interpersonal capital capital among um, fighters. He knows how to lead a crew and like how to raise the spirits of a crew and get them to fight together in ways that Will doesn't at all. Um, And so he's sort of behind the scenes, sort of really helping Will lead by maintaining the spirit of the crew during wartime when, you know, things could get real dark real fast if you didn't have a person like him there. Yeah. Can't mention that. He's also T5 either. Yeah. Yeah. I was also going to say he is. He's like Han Solo. Han Solo took the payment at the beginning of empire strikes back and kept taking it all yeah. the way through like it was just going yeah yeah i'm i will be part of your rebellion but you're gonna still still keep paying me right right like if he didn't have a price on his head like nath didn't have a price on his head right like if han Solo, yeah. he was like he would just milk it yeah for for yeah. all the money and fame he could get out of the situation yeah. and that that's what nath did until the end 
Yep. And like, this is like the hook that I just didn't seem like he's so virtuous. He's so good during this book. And, you know, but like he, he used, he started with the empire. Right. And then like was, you know, realized they were terrible and was a smuggler for a while and then rejoined, you know, joined alphabet squadron. And then as soon as the war's over, he goes right back into back. like, go smuggler mode like Back to piracy baby piracy piracy yeah, yeah. red pirate and then he's roberts like, will you should join me you'd love the crew i like yeah. i'll get a crew together you'll you'll fit in great and i was like yeah okay will i knew go. it wasn't gonna will go there like, but i so wanted it to and i wanted to read that that like yeah oh, that'd be yeah. A fun book. yeah and will's like get effed but like yeah. he you know and he was hurt by that which is like what <laughs> like, come on man yeah. like who are you talking to like where have you gone what have you gone through like why have you you know and and ultimately we don't know what nath's ultimate like desires are for that thing like he i think he just wants to stay in contractor hero status and it doesn't seem like he's just going to be robbing people but he's like well there might be things we can do on the down low yeah. for the rebellion and the, the new republic in ways that are we don't have to sign up and wear a badge but we can you know make money um and 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 help the the galaxy at the yeah same. that's kind of what i thought is like i feel like he's he is he is a gun for hire right he will but but yeah. he will he is choosy about who he contracts with like he's not going to take a job for the shattered empire but he'll right. happily take the new republic's money you're right and and so we see him at the end he's put a, pulling a new crew together and it's the, the like the it's some people from the 204th and it's some yeah. people from alphabet and it's like both sides bring them together, like cashing in on all the goodwill that um, Will Lark sowed, um, which was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, again, that was that was a turn I didn't see coming for with, you know, Nath at all. But there it was. Um, and then then we get to my favorite character, which I strategically placed for last. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We got a lot of Kairos in this. Yeah, book, finally, because she was like virtually not in the second book at all. Um, yeah when we see her like going into the second book she's you know masked character you never she doesn't talk she's always covered um but she gets in such a bad accident that um her people you know she she has to take the armor off and we learn essentially her species is like a butterfly that never stops evolving and they you know it, but she conserves blood and it's like people she she like you know that blood is worship she doesn't want to spread blood anyone that touches her blood she like becomes part of her and her people and then she owes them something um and it's it's she's fascinating like this is such a deep robust character uh like alien character it, it, to a degree that i don't think any other aliens ever been like explored uh, yeah, she's so Very cool to go to her home world and then yeah. her to just take on a completely different personality when they get there and just being this warden and kind of mystical guide through yeah. the jungles. Um, they fight like some Hydra creature. And then then there's the metamorphosis kind of moment um, there. But um, it was kind of a metaphor, right, for like the all the pilots and the story yep. altogether, right? Yep. Like like at the end is kind of like another transformation and it seems like she changes and is freed at the end of this book. Um, and I think yeah. perceived to be dead at the end of this or gone. Like she's, uh, she's on her own mission. It's on just her like own mission Kairos, yeah. yeah. She's finally space. pursuing her own interests where it's like, she's always felt indebted 
you know, to be an alphabet. I don't know where she learned to fly, by the way, because like on right. her right, but planet, like the, last like, piece, the last piece of her, like her chitin scales, like falls off and she transforms into something that's it's not like it's not like it's more subjective, like up to interpretation of what she transforms into. But yeah, I took it that she could fly. That's what I took it as as well. I don't know. I think she just jumped off a ledge, but then like she saw her running away down a catwalk. Yeah. Like, skipping into right. the sunset sort of thing. Yep. Um, yeah, it was running catwalk. You're right. Yeah, I mean, so she she she's done her part. She's judged Erica Quell. Erica Quell was a benefit of some of her blood, so she felt responsible to judge her. And I don't know what it, she judged Erica worthy. I don't know what would have happened yeah. if she was unworthy. That would have been interesting because I feel yeah. like she would have killed herself. <laughs> uh, Kairos would have. Um, that kind of got that feeling, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. But turns out Kairos really good flyer, amazing warrior, um, and uh, just a fascinating species um and yeah we don't know what she did next but i th- i just think she's like okay my job's done here now i'm gonna pursue my pursuits based on my beliefs based on my experiences and i'm a new person like i yeah. was i'm not who i was before but i'm okay with that and i'm gonna be something new and it's gonna be whatever it is but i feel good about it i'm hopeful and uh, yeah she's weirdly the person who i think has the happiest ending in some way yeah. in this book where she's evolved yeah. And 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 uh, to be honest, most of her characters do have happy endings in this book, but seems to be the most like positively changed through her experience. And I think that's telling because she's the only character we don't revisit in the epilogue of this book. Yeah, we have yeah. no yeah. idea her name, Kairos, which is I guess the Greek term for the opportune moment. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So. Okay, nice, good research there, Grant. I got it. I got you guys. I knew it yeah. sounded familiar, so I had to just <laughs> yeah. Into that. And so she said with her species, which her species unnamed, her planet's unnamed. Yeah. Um, but she, uh, yeah, she says in addition to like physically changing, she changes her name with every evolution. And yeah. like during metamorphosis, they all of her warriors like wear this armor that protects you, so you don't see it. You don't see you like you're ultra protected. It's like essentially you make a chrysalis or a cocoon around yourself. And they, you know, said maybe her U-wing was in in some ways a metaphorical chrysalis, um, and she did, and she ended up trashing her U-wing at the end, and you know, and, and also at the opportune moment, like she is the support character. The U-wing's there to yeah know, protect to save people at the, the, the just in the mo- their moment of need. She uses yeah. a bowcaster. She's like the like almost like the the heavy right like of the yeah. group. Of yeah. yeah, she's yeah, definitely yeah. like the Wookie. She's a Chewbacca. Um, but like, I love Chewbacca, but she's <laughs> 10 times more complicated. Yeah, Karos was a great new spin on the kind of heavy, you know, uh, I guess the tough, the tough, tough guy mm-hmm. person in the group. Yeah, it would be like, think. instead of like Wookiee being a dog, it's like you had a like Godzilla baby as like <laughs> a, a, <laughs> as a sidekick that just keeps changing from Mothra to, you know, uh, King J- Kajira and whatever. Um, yeah. So uh, she was she was fantastic. All right. So we've gone through the main uh, protagonists here. We should really talk about Soren Keys. Um, yeah. All right. I want to maybe I'm going to start with this one because so Keys is, you know, brilliant strategist. And we know he's uh, ace, the ace of aces. And they actually play him up that way and uh, respect. He's he, no one shot him down. He is he is too bad to be caught. Yeah. Um, all right, the question I have for you is if this was live action, who do you cast for Soren Keys? Oh, God. 
Probably Michael Fassbender or something. I don't know. We can't. He's already Fassbender's my call for uh, for Thrawn. So I'm not oh, going right. Fassbender. Sorry, yeah. No, but that I mean that's a good call. If Fassbender would work. I'm actually the 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 um behind Grant right now. We all have um visuals of of characters behind us. Yeah, but that uh you that guy looks like Pierce Brosnan behind you. Ah, Pierce Brosnan's pretty good. Yeah, he's, um, he's suave. He's got some debonair to him. I mean, he's, yeah. What about got Hugh Poe. Grant? Yeah, <laughs> okay. I would do Hugh Grant. I would love Hugh Grant. That would be a great return performance. Can you imagine that? Oh, like, you know what? Not not Hugh Grant. Um, what's his name? He was oh Jude Law. What about Jude Law? Oh, Jude Law's fantastic. Ooh, you have fantastic. to give him a yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be perfect. Yeah. Jude Law, that's it. I think you just win. That's it. Chicken dinner. Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely sense that. Um, it's kind of well, that's a little bit of young rog over overlap, but yeah, I could I could get into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it, young rog is it's a lot of the same. Yeah, especially the mentor. Yeah, um, yeah, that'd yeah, be actually that'd be that's perfect. I love this. Like, I can't I think, think this of anything. My else. favorite character in the book, in the series, to be to be honest. I, uh, yeah, just his profile, the idea, the the idea that he's the, the the ace of all aces and for the empire, he is just the, the always been. He's the major of shadowing. Now became the colonel after grandmother was taken out by by Nath, and it's like. And he and the nuanced approach to leadership, and he seems like he he really did push Yurika Quell and push all of his his um, his uh, fighter his pilots to become the best they could be. And uh, it's just he seems like he's a man of excellence. And it it's <laughs> and then to see that he has a heart at the end of the day, like to yeah. see that he's actually he actually understands that what they're doing. I think it starts to I think his heart he starts to. His perspective starts to shift when Will starts talking to him, and when Hera yeah. yep. starts talking and being like, "Listen, just please spare the people of Chattawa. Like, please, like, I don't know why you guys have to just go terrorize all these planets and just keep taking people out, and and I don't know why Shadowing has to go from planet to planet and just wreak havoc. It's really just this doesn't make any sense. I think he's catching on to the fact that Cinder is a bad for you know, it, it's it's also destroying his psyche, and then. The end of this, obviously, the end of this book is phenomenal. Where he's telling Eureka to wire the MP and take out the data bank on, on Coruscant, and you know, and he and the God, the speech he gives at the end of this yeah. book. Yeah, wow. yeah. Uh, I have a couple. It's not even a speech so much as just like he kind of an admittance banter. That, yeah, yeah, just yeah. this admittance that you know maybe maybe you give all these people a chance to live lives outside of war and like give these soldiers a chance to you know, not be, you know, imprisoned by their roles. You know? Right. It's like they should be forgiven for their misfortunes. You can't, you know, and that's his whole mission here. We learn is that he just wants some amnesty for, um, for these, you know, people that fought for the empire deluded into fighting for the empire that were just following orders. And it's like, it's an interesting thought, right? Yep. You know, it's like, okay, they're, they're not necessarily bad people, even though they've done bad things. But there's so there's this back and forth with Erica Quell who decides to try and hunt him down, um, which is I have notes about that, too. It's like she's like, no, I don't want to just kill him. Like, I want to have this long conversation with him, <laughs> which is like uh, okay. every Bond movie ever. Don't I worry about it. Yeah. I need the catharsis. A specific yeah. Brand so they have this like really philosophical argument between Erica and and and, and Soren. And I think Erica says to him, like, maybe you're says to. Soren, like maybe you're the one clinging to the uh, to a way to make Cinder meaningful. 
Maybe that's your sickness. You justify and explain everything. Everything we've done is being about loyalty or duty or principle about saving your fellow soldiers when really you're just piling on excuses for the massacres in the hope that it'll all balance out. And it's like, you know, the the other and then the other one was um, she's like, or Colonel, you're the best of us, but maybe you're as much of a mess as everyone else deluding yourself because you can't live with the truth. And the truth was, we were murderous bastards, she said. And being true to one another doesn't make it any better. It just means we don't stop when we figure out how bad it's gotten. Maybe, he said, or maybe I truly do believe in putting my people first. Maybe you finally found something to believe in, too. So it's like, like I was just like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, what good is putting <laughs> the people first if they're all, they're all murderers? Right. Uh so he doesn't really like that's sort of where the rubber meets the road and he's not a stupid guy. And I think he no. sort of understands it, but like finally, you know, reality prevails there and or truth prevails there. And she's just like, no, we were just murderers and you need to come to grips with that. Like it's good. You're true to your people, but, but still his last act, even post death is to protect his people. Mm-hmm. Right. Like he broadcasts taking full responsibility for everything, including things he didn't yeah. do. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is very much in line with his character and he's trying yeah. to save his people. And it's that is virtuous, right? That is a good leader. You yeah. wanna if you're a leader, you wanna protect the people that, that work for you. Um, he is a, not, just someone someone who's so trained by a system of camaraderie that he that's all he knows. And all he knows is to to save his fellow soldiers and to yeah. fight for whatever cause it is. Now the cause is to to save their lives. And that's yeah. kind of what I got at the end of this book. He's it's weird, right? He's a dishonorable person outside of like he's honorable to those below him and dishonorable as a human. <laughs> like, like, yeah, he like it, which makes him such a great and complex character where where like I'd start to read those quotes and I'm like, yeah, it's an interesting argument of like, you know, do these people deserve a clean slate? They were following orders, which is never a great excuse, but you're kind of like you're, you're kind of with them. And then I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa he committed multiple genocides. <laughs> like, 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 yeah, I have to keep stopping and reminding myself through this book. I'm like, he ordered people to wipe out full civilizations. So F him like it, but it took me, but he kept, I kept getting sucked into it. Right. Which is such great writing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so Erica's quote complexity. After, is important. Yeah, definitely. Erica's quote after that is like, I've accepted what I've done. I know the awful deeds I committed and I've tried to move past my guilt because it stopped being useful long ago. But I haven't forgotten Necronus or anything yep. else. I live with the memory of what I'm capable of every day. I need the memory to do better. Like learn yeah. from your mistakes, right? And wiping out the records of what we've done seems an awful lot like helping everyone else forget. Yeah. Which is like, oh my gosh, ding, ding, ding. That's like yeah. what Fox News is trying to do so hard right now. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the, you know, Soren Key's response to that with like, then I ask you for the last time, do you trust the New Republic to judge them fairly? And that's the next, so that's the last piece of this book, right? Is yeah. sort of like, all right, so there's a philosophical argument. You're in charge. Do you forgive the billions of, of employees of the empire that were complicit in this? You know, I don't think we forgave any of the Nazis that were complicit in, in, in the genocide um, in Germany, you know, and, and Europe. And, um, but it's like on this scale with this many people and this is like governing body, like what do you do? And yeah. uh, a really cool thing happened. That is why he meets the fate of death in this book. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just 
it's too much wrongdoing in his life. But nonetheless, a fascinating villain, I thought, for these books in particular. Yeah. Um, it, I, I like Grandmother a lot, but Soren Keys was, I, I thought, a little more threatening throughout the books. And then this arc was just just such a monumental shift that it was, you had, I felt like it was really cool. Grandmother was like a finger tenting, tenting evil yeah. character, right? And so, and which was necessary for the first two books in the series. There is no, I mean, he's clearly the bad guy, but it's a complex character, right? And I love that there's no, like, just cliched bad guy in this book at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Freed does a lot of work to sort of humanize both sides. Well, and the shadow of the emperor is a big looming thing in these books that I, I would deem a, a threat or uh, an obstacle. You know, that's, yeah, that's kind no. of the, the Operation Cinder as Operation Cinder almost feels like a character, an intention, or, you know, it's just something behind the scenes that's just weighing on everybody. Uh, right. Because they can't rationalize it. Like, I mean, a smart person like Keys is like, well, where does this go? You know, yeah, like, exactly, okay, so what if we win? Exactly. That's what like, I what felt then? in this book. I was like, He's like, wow, I've lived my whole life on this side of the, the war and now we've lost. And now, you know, we're running around like wounded animals. And then this order is just to cause mayhem and wreak havoc. And right. I've, I've only served. I've only been loyal my entire career. And and, you know, he keeps following orders and keeps following orders. And now he's like, I, I, I have to I have to just save now all the people that got sucked into this. Right. And one of the interesting points or like tenors of this book is that. You, we know which way the wind's blowing. Like it, the the victory of the New Republic is a almost a foregone conclusion through the whole book. There's there's a lot of um, you know tense moments in this book in the battles because we enjoy the characters and we know the characters and we don't want their deaths and the deaths happen all the time. Um, and so we're we're you know there's that there. But like as far as I, I think Freed's like, listen, we all know where this is going to go. Like yeah. we know they're going to win. If if you know anything about Star Wars, you've been paying attention. You know like you know who wins the battle of Jakku. Um, and so like, that's not really a major force in this, but it's, it's so much more about what happens after. Why are we, yeah. fighting? what's going on, you know, there. And, um, and, and keys is smart enough to know which way the wind's going to blow, you know? And he's like, listen, we're not going to win this. And even if we win this, we're not going to win this, right. you know, in, in the, the larger war. And, and that's what freed looks at, which is nuanced and beautiful and, articulate and deft and and just all a bunch of other words i can't think of for great red <laughs> what did we forget akbar we get quality akbar in this book. <laughs> <of> akbar. <laughs> yeah we you get some akbar we don't uh, want to fall into a trap yeah. yeah he's like this is the opportune moment to attack <laughs> like, i was like yes i was like freed yeah. can write akbar it's every every line is perfect yeah <laughs> yes even his like like silent gazes and like yeah his is yeah. yeah pretty great Hera I guess we didn't talk uh enough about um yeah she wants to get back to her kid so she Jason uh Sindula is somewhere yeah uh, we don't know where earlier on I thought she was like oh like I can't get to him and I was like no it's too early to be with Luke he can't be with Luke that early so right no I think he's just no. stashed somewhere probably yeah. on Ryloth um yeah. with her dad or who knows who knows where jason yeah. is that's a story i would love to to hear yeah but, yeah. but they did Speaking a great job of oh yeah. go, go ahead Adam. i was just gonna say we did they did a good job of kind of balancing that like 
she has a duty to the new republic and her child right like i just think that kind of yeah. came through in such a clear way in this book of just knowing that she was ready at the end to accept death if she had to and and she was sad to do it but knowing that she was creating a better better galaxy for her child yeah they uh the ghost made it into this book which yeah. is great and, like she had it stashed in its own private <laughs> hangar and then there's you know a scene on a catwalk overlooking it and i think it was erica um, who was looking down and they, they were like talking in real broad terms about what she saw, but she saw like a little astromech, like, you know, causing a fuss down there. And I was like, Oh, chopper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I love uh, that so much more than just name dropping, just like alluding yes. to these people. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, who is there? Like, you know, there's probably a chopper is probably the only named rebel from the, the show rebels. That's, uh, that's there because I think everyone else is, um, at large, but yeah, uh, maybe Sabine quests. Wren might have been there, actually. Uh, but uh, we know that the Lassat is gone. Um, we know uh, that um, both Jedi are gone. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but she does uh, mention like having friends and there's a lot of yeah. that there, right? Just knowing yeah. that they're we're gonna out see, there. We're going to see live action Hera. And it's going to be cool. Oh, I think. Yeah. I mean, the, the big rumor is that she's going to be the the. Um, the character in the Rangers of the New Republic, which, if that's true, I'm very excited for. Oh, that'd be that'd be great. That, yeah. that makes sense because if she's there at the last battle of Exegol, she should be here for Rangers. Um, yeah, well, I mean, and then probably Jason would probably be a great young character, you know, because they always want that young POV. Jason Sindula could be a good up and coming force wielder. So that might be a good. So let's do some timeline discussion here. Well, Ahsoka oh. could train Jason Sindula. That could that could yeah. sync up. Yeah, yeah. Were were I Hera? I mean, she doesn't really even know that much about Luke. So, um, yeah. I mean, she would probably lean on Ahsoka. And is if, Jason if she's on Cinderella in this book? Because she says like her far away son, and I doesn't really pinpoint where he is. No, she doesn't say where he no, is. No, not yeah. specific, but yeah. Yeah, that's why I, I was guessing Ryloth, but Chandrilla is a good bet. Yeah. Oh, Ryloth. Yeah, sorry. It could be Ryloth. Um, also, some extended lore that's in here is I don't know if it's Will and Hera or if it's Hera and Kraken or something. But early on, I think they talk about Endor and someone saw Luke burning Vader on Endor. And... Oh, right. What <laughs> about that scene? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, it was like a stormtrooper, but the, the armor was, you know, it was it was, it was black clad armor and I, I, it must have been Vader and like Luke was standing before it and it was. And, and he looked sad. And, yeah. and and they were like, but why would he do that? Like, it would make yeah. no sense. And like, and they're like, could could he have brought his body down for a bio scan or something like that? And they're and Hera's like, I doubt it. And then and then yeah, it's like, like, why would he forgive the worst of, of them? Like, yeah, why, why would he forgive a genocidal maniac you right. know, and henchman for the emperor? And I was just like, hmm, why would he forget? You know, like, <laughs> I was just like, this is going into my, my question. <laughs> Yeah, this, this is going to be my, my motivation, my idea for the motivations of Luke Skywalker going forward in just in everything and all aspects of Star Wars storytelling. And it just he just has a compassion that Luke Skywalker just has a, a level of compassion. And obviously it's his father, but it's just like it's it's just interesting to see that he would just knowing what everyone else thinks of Vader. And you never really think about that in watching yeah. the original trilogy. You never think about how everyone else perceives Vader. Uh, you just think about the familial bond, and that's what kind of endears you to Vader. But in reality, that character was the worst of the worst. 
right yeah. and the shoe drops in bloodline if you haven't read bloodlines yet yeah. read read that book it's very good um and and the truth comes out in that book um oh, as yeah. far as vader is to leia and luke um and but yeah in this book they don't know so yeah i'm pretty sure it was will lark was the one who wandered away yes. from the yeah. Like what a great scene though. Him just like on one of those catwalks overlooking, being like, What's going on over there? And that's like <laughs> and then being like, Whoa, is that Luke Skywalker? Like, Whoa, why is there a Viking funeral? And why is Aiden Christensen looking on? Yeah. Uh, so great. Who are all those blue guys? Yeah, why is he like bird? Why is he smirking at eye? me? Yeah, what's that look about? Gosh, I need a shower. So <laughs> So this no book showers in the Ewok village. No, yeah. you have to go to the this, lake. It's, yeah, it's like a chinchilla. You do dust baths in, <laughs> in that moon of Endor. Actually, you just bathe in a stormtrooper helmet or a, a series of stormtrooper helmets and just pour it on, on yourself. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure the stormtrooper helmets had it had heads in them, so I don't think that quite worked. <laughs> um, that's yeah. my head cannon. Uh, yeah. No pun intended. Uh, oh, no. no. Yeah, I was about to say, I like you did that. <laughs> so um, this book takes place five years ABY after Battle of Yavin, and Mandalorian's nine years. So the events of Mandalorian are four years after this book, which is interesting, right? Because we know there are still pockets of the Shattered Empire holding on, right? right. Even after yeah. Yaku. Right. Even during and it's hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that all three of these books took in, took place in one year. Yeah, I don't know about that. That's a long year. Okay, so this book takes place, I think they said 11 months after Endor at one point. I think it it starts, yeah, right? 11 months and then. But it it, it all starts after Endor, right? Yeah. Like some distance after Endor. And, but it's only um, Return of the Jedi was three years ABY. Four years before. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. But that makes sense because I think in Aftermath, they say that the Battle of Jakku is there. Five, maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, Meanwhile, I think um, Ben Solo was born this year in five years, ABY. I think that's right. Um, That's actually pretty impressive when you think about the fact that the Empire was like kind of officially vanquished only a year or so after. Right. events of that, that seems rushed to me but um yeah that's yeah. that was interesting i think it would take they longer, ever do but... a, any sequel sequel work um you know then they have actually they've done some of those uh, uh destiny stories mm-hmm. um it, for their child their children's four children's stories but they take place after um rise uh rise of skywalker and they're still in those books, uh, in those stories. And actually, the New Life Day did it as well. They're they're chasing down remnants of the First Order, so they'll be doing that for some time after the Battle of Exegol as well. Yeah. So here's everything. I'll hear all the events that happened in Five ABY according to Wikipedia. <laughs> all right. Battle of Jakku. Yep. Ben Solo is born on Chandrilla. So well done. Yeah. Uh, the New Republic signs the Galactic Concordance with the Galactic Empire, so they officially do surrender. Sabine, Sabine Wren and Ahsoka Tano begin their search for Ezra Bridger. Ooh, okay. And Leia quits her Jedi training. Ah, uh, so they were all on Agent Kloss and slash Chandrilla. Okay, so she was training slash carousing with Hans on Chandrilla. Well, well, I'm guessing, well, Benzel was born, so I'm guessing 
based on Rise of Skywalker. She uh, did not oh. look she did not look super pregnant. So, but I don't I guess I don't know. So it could be that she had been solo and immediately left for Agent Claus to or start Or vice versa, right? Because we don't know if if Ben was born at the end of that year and she was training while pregnant or early well, pregnancy, nine months pregnant, which might be why she had that vision. Right. No. Well, yeah. I mean, there's 12 months oh, okay. in a year, so she could have been a month pregnant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she could. Agent Claus could have happened. She could have not been pregnant, but still had that vision because yeah. like, she knew where things are going and, you know, with Han and whatever. And she wanted a family, et cetera. And so she could still have that vision and was like, no, nope, I wanted to go the other way. Those are just the main ones. There's a lot more going on because she Big was year. the liberated. Ryloth and the surgeon came to an end. Uh, Shara Bay and, and Kez Dameron retire from the Alliance. Oh wow! So they live then. That takes a little bit of. Nope. Takes a little bit of the um, yeah. drama out of the comic book series we're reading right now in uh, Star Wars. But okay. oops. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying Shara Bay lives? She's going to survive being on that Star Destroyer? Okay, cool. Check check in in three weeks for comic Kyber Crystal Comics Corner where we're almost certain that uh, Charbet lives. Yeah. Uh, cool. Wow. How do they know that then? Because that book, that hasn't come out yet. Like, Sir Charbet could die. But okay. I don't know. Six months. At, I mean, I'd have to look Maybe at where it is. I'm sure there's a reference there, but we don't have the time. To do it that. might be the, uh, the, I'll trust the comic the that came out, the comic series that came out. Uh was it called Shattered Empire or Sh I can't remember what it was, but it was anyway. Okay. They were in that, so that's not helpful. You're welcome, everyone. Oh, so like one of the one of the sequel um, comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that I'm convinced now. Uh, yeah. Yep. Shattered Empire Four. I was right. Ah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Right Shattered again. Empire, yeah. Um. Okay. Cool. Um, any other connections, synergy, timeline, geography? A lot of Western reaches uh, talk in this, mm -hmm. which I love. Uh, I love some Western reaches reaches conversation after our. Um... I told you we should have checked the Western reaches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I told you, dude. That that was in that was in uh, Force Awakens or uh, yeah, Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where that's where all the the, the good stuff is secret. I always yeah. like like some West of the new terms that are you know in these books, like astrogation charts instead of like navigation charts. Like they're, they're yeah. just yeah. he brings a lot of cool terms to the table. Totally. Um, other than that, I mean, phenomenal book, like phenomenal series, like super fun. Um, yeah. Rogue Squad Squadron has a lot to live up to, like we talked about. Um, Maybe Alexander Freed will will jump onto that script writing process or give notes or something because he's done such good work here just writing yeah. this squadron and yeah. this storyline. Yeah, I hope he's involved with Rogue Squadron. That would be great. That would be, that he would, would be. he would be like if we're gonna follow our dream scenario where you get like master director with like Star Wars dork, he would be the Star Wars dork that I would pair with Patty Jenkins to sort of help her um, navigate the waters there. Even though I'm, I mean she's got the full strength of the story group at her disposal but yeah uh, freed's really lived it and and you know has a wealth of knowledge that he could pass along um to pair with patty jenkins all own you know military knowledge and and uh, and everything else I, I can't wait for that movie it, it's gonna be very very interesting she's got a super high bar though it like she can't just like crank out like a you know 
blockbuster movie and be like that was good you know following basic tropes i I feel like she like i hope she really challenges herself to make uh not just a contemporary movie but a neo-contemporary movie something you know to 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 take star wars movie making into the next you know decade genre era yeah totally Um, because freed did that so it's like all right well it's there you know well just a lot of contrast among the squad the the pilots right like we want just yeah this book just shows you they they don't have to get along they can butt heads yeah have banter uh they don't have to be you know uh, all when it comes to the mission sure they can work together but uh at the end of the day they can they can be their own unique character and it doesn't have to be like a homogenous group of x-wing fighters like we usually see it's like i hope hope so let's defy tropes let's you know do different things yet follow familiar patterns that are we can all relate to um there's a lot of room there uh yeah and there will be wars in the stars i'm sure of it (laughs) so we got that to look forward to which is nice yeah yeah yeah. Uh, all right i'm calling it um thanks everyone for listening this week uh this was a great book um if you haven't read it cool um hope you enjoyed this show um if you get some time it'll it's a fun read the summer's coming this is a great beach read do it um and uh thanks everyone for listening to us uh talk to us on uh, discord um about anything and uh you know we'll talk to you next week no idea what we'll do next week uh as of this moment but um there'll be something and it'll be sweet catch up on some news maybe that could be cool Maybe go free range. Maybe do a pillar. Yeah. I don't know. But um, we'll, we'll probably announce it on uh, social media, either um, Discord or um, Twitter or Instagram. We're on all those things and we're active and available to be chatted with. So thanks very much, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, may the force be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you, always.